0: I think having a having a system and I think it's understanding root causes of of technique things and what they are um, and really taking the time and understanding each athlete um, one-on-one what they're you know recognizing things quicker from when they walk out of their car and watching them walk down to the dock or uh, how they put their ski on, all those different things, and recognize those things really, really quick. Um, and an- another thing is is the work ethic of a coach and what it should be to be a professional coach. And that's something I had learned from Matt Oh, when he was still coaching.
1: up everyone welcome back or welcome to the Waterski podcast the podcast that aims to promote the great sport of water skiing through the voices of the people in the sport athletes coaches drivers judges amateurs and pros current skiers and former skiers you name it this episode is with Cole Grant now Cole is a Canadian waterskier and coach currently residing in Orlando and coaching a Matrinese ski school Cole is a great friend of mine and someone who had a chance to uh, spend some time with in Lafayette as I was finishing my journey and he was starting his in uh, AUL. Cole is also a very keen coach and I had a chance to see how he started or continued better to polish his craft as he was involved in with the water ski team in Lafayette. Now, Cole is a super interesting guy. We had a chance to take our time and talk about his early days. Some of the things he shared, I didn't even know. And it was a true pleasure to hear them from him. Just a couple of quick announcements before we get into the interview. The first one is that the tournament I organized on World Water Skiers is getting some traction and uh, the tournament is called anything but a slalom ski and basically you can enter and run the slalom course using the zero buoy system score like scoring system but you have to run the course with anything but a slalom ski so provided it's not a long thing where your feet are one behind the other on the same line then you are game The vast majority of entries so far have been with a trick ski, although there have been a couple of entries with jumpers. Now, I can tell you I tried with a kneeboard. That didn't go so well. Uh, I couldn't make it outside of the gates and before I crashed. Uh, But be inventive. Um, Get on worldwaterskiers.com, create a profile, enter the tournament under the water ski games, and uh, let's see what you got. Currently, the first place is Rob Hazelwood with one buoy at 43 off or 975 at 40 kilometers per hour. And if my memory doesn't fail me, that is 23 miles per hour or 25, something like that. Um, So yeah, he's currently leading no entries on the ladies' side. So I hope to see a few of those in the near future. The second announcement is that the Waterski podcast is currently accepting advertisement. So, if you have a brand related to waterskiing and you want to promote it on the podcast, just shoot me an email at matteo at thewaterskypodcast.com, and I can explain you how that will all work. The only thing that I ask to advertisers is that you have to have a promotion for the Waterski podcast listeners, whether it is free shipping or off, whatever it is that you want to do to help the listeners, then you are a possible advertiser here. So reach out if you're interested in advertising on the podcast. I am stoked to share this episode, episode 47, with the world of water skiing, my interview with Cole Grant. Enjoy. Boom. Cole, welcome to the water ski podcast, buddy.
0: Uh, Thank you, Matteo. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, super excited, a little nervous, but uh, pretty honored and happy to be here and chat with you and catch up.
1: Yeah, well, that's first and foremost. And if it helps any, everyone says that they're nervous. And that's why we sort of start a conversation with the usual question. Uh, Before we get there, how are things in Florida? Obviously, you're speaking from Orlando area. I'm in Italy. How are things over there?
0: yeah you know it's we'll see I think the kids are going back to school here soon and we'll see what happens um as far as ski school we've been I mean a little quiet for a normal spring and summer obviously and um just trying to I mean personally not going out much and doing anything and uh, get this this whole thing to clear as quick as we can and um, hopefully uh, we see how it looks and uh you know, everyone around me, we're all safe and healthy, and we have lucky we've got a lake to go to, so um, can't really complain. Yeah. Have you been doing some skiing? Not as much as I should for, uh, for having a lake I go to every day and sitting in a boat, but um, we'll see. It's probably time to get back on my skis. On your
1: skis? Ah, so skis. You're so, the-
0: no, no, no. Jump skis have been in the garage for the last few years. Every now and then a trick ski comes out, but uh, just mostly slalom in these days.
1: No way. I see, I would have thought of you as someone who just keeps taking books at the ramp no matter what.
0: Uh, I think, see, I think you have that right, and I I know that. And uh, I know there's a part of me that isn't going to be okay doing easy three quarters and having some fun. And I, I also know I'm not going to train the right way to to try to push the limits. So, uh, better be safe and, and keep them in the garage away from the lake. Okay. I
1: got it. I I can't understand that. I can't understand that. Um, well, obviously I, I asked that question cause I know a little bit of your story, uh, but I want the listeners to get the story. So how'd you get into water skiing?
0: Um, I think it's, it's a classic story. My parents um growing up in Canada they were both in some kind of education when I was when I was young um at, whether at a technical college or um early childhood and so we had a family cottage um and I actually had on my dad's side and my mom's side and my grandparents were two uh two doors apart at the cottage so I spent the summer out at the lake um my parents, my dad, loved skiing. They used to drive down to Minneapolis about seven hours and go watch when there was the Coors Tour and and watch some of those stops. But we just, you know, grew up on the water all summer. School holidays hit, and we were out there as as children, and it just kind of kind of snowballed from there.
1: Wow, yeah, know the classic story. Um, but uh, I want to hear your story. So, first set, how will... old?
0: Oh, I. Uh... I don't remember my first set. Um, I was in and on the water, whether it was my first summer um, being dragged around in a tube, uh, then on, you know, then on a skimboard, and then skiing. Um, Boom behind the boat. Uh, I I don't recall it. I've got pictures of me being little and uh, tying ropes up in the backyard and walking around with my skis on with my sister and, um, man, it's all a blur, but, uh, the pictures, I can remember some of it, I think, I don't know whether that's from seeing pictures and making memories or, uh, them truly coming back, but yeah, I mean, I'm a November baby. So that first summer I was getting dragged around behind the boat in the tube at least. And, uh, yeah, that's all I remember.
1: So that, yeah, a lot of, a lot of skiers don't remember their first set. Um, what about the first set you remember? You have a clear picture of maybe one of those early sets.
0: Oh, um, yeah, probably m- maybe not a set, but some of the memories of being, being young and waking up really early with my dad to go out in the public lake with a couple of his buddies and sitting in there and, um, I'll take skiing, free skiing down whatever shoreline was calm that day um yeah that 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 feeling and and being out there early, the sun was coming up, and um then I'd get ba- get to go back to the cottage and go hang out with my friends for the rest of the day and ski and play and and do whatever else
1: yeah yeah it's a it's a good environment out of the public lake um upbringing as a skier, right like it becomes a little bit from what I've been able to gather. A little bit more like the the one that I've experienced in Europe where, yes, it's man-made lake, but it's club. So you take your turns to ski, you have things to do outside of the water, you know, like whether it's, you know, soccer, beach volleyball, foosball, swim, you, canoe,
0: you name it, you know? Absolutely. So, and that's, those are my memories. And we had, you know, we had a club on the lake. And so uh, there was a lot of families and a lot of kids and we'd all, we had a, Um, you know, a mile away from everyone's cottage, we'd meet and we had the the club dock where everyone would meet with a couple families own boats and everyone else could use them. And I mean, basically pay for gas and enough money to keep the docks and the course and the jump and everything going. But we'd ride our bikes or take our little tin boats over there when we got old enough, park, play, ski a little bit. We'd run down to the river and the rapids and go play, come back, parents are gone. We'd just go figure it out for ourselves for the rest of the day. Um... And have fun but yeah that uh that waiting and taking and turns that that community and club aspect to it absolutely
1: did you think it had an effect on how you grew up as a skier
0: um yeah I th- a little bit i think uh i don't know don't know any different i don't know if uh growing up on a private lake how different that would have been um I think I played a lot of team sports, which they all kind of went together and, and created that. Um, I think the seeing all levels of skiing from an early age, um, you know, I was, I was young, but, and there was a lot of older kids and hanging out with them, chasing them, getting pushed by them. Um, but seeing them take the younger ones like me under their wing and we got to hang out with them and we got to do everything else with them that, uh, that it was really positive.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. No, that's, that's certainly one of the things that the club aspect can do, right? Like, uh, all levels. Um, and, and he almost breaches beyond age. I don't, like, I know Will and Freddie spoke a lot about what they have in the UK with the levels. So you, you know, you're 14 and you're competing against a 55 year old just cause you're running, you know, 28 or 14 meters. And, you know, like it creates the nice aspect, you know, of, uh, Healthy competition, in a way, I would say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's how I got into tournaments. Actually, was through the clubs. Uh, we had a big recreational tour across the province that all the different clubs would host. And uh, my mom was helping organize one at our club one year when I was, I mean, I think I was five, and asked if I could ski in it. And it was, it's points for wave and points for this. At, and now, if you can run the slalom course, then right, it's a different game. But there was a, a place for everyone to. To have a go that day, whether it be on two skis, a slum ski, trick skis, a wakeboard, whatever it was to get out and, and be part of that that competition idea. Um and I mean we were young and we skied. I don't know if it went good or bad. I just remember <laughs> heading down and going cliff jumping or doing whatever else we would do that day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and probably that's that's the most important part of the memory, right?
0: Absolutely. Um
1: Interesting, so when, was there a moment for you, because again, you were almost born into it, so as you said, you can remember your first set, but was there a moment where, I don't know, I don't know how to phrase this properly, but like it, it hits you, or maybe a performance you saw at a tournament, or something that made you, for lack of a better word, like hungry?
0: <sighs> um, You know, I got to watch the Pan Am Games in, I guess it would have been 1999, um, right in Winnipeg, right where the site I ended up training at for, for years later. We've um, got some memories of some of the performances there, pictures with Wade, um, things mm-hmm. like that. Just being, yeah. So I think seeing seeing that, I had out oh, at the cottage, had the old Masters VHSs on tape that for a rainy day and we couldn't ski, I was watching them. Um, and I think just, just that being around it, as I got into it more, um, definitely heroes and, um, like Wade getting to meet that, uh, Craig and Jarrett Llewellyn going to tournaments they were always at. And I think you just, you pick people like that, that you want to, they inspire you. Um, from a young age, I think it was just fun and having really positive people around that, uh. That kept me going wanting to get better but kept it fun and uh encouraging
1: yeah yeah no it's uh i think i think we all had those those moments it doesn't even have to be one but just maybe that period where you where you're exposed to what could be possible and and it just ignites it you know uh for me i said it before for me it was 99 worlds and 2001 worlds what i got to see andy and wade and then andy and cp and you just see those battles, you're like wow, like that's that's unattainable, but maybe it's attainable, so let's go let's go home, I want to train you know,
0: yes, absolutely, and uh you know we were lucky to have some really good skiers in history um out in in my area and um so you knew it was possible to come from from Winnipeg or and surrounding area uh families like the reeds um who had gone on and done it and And the culture just in Canadian water skiing is so rich that it's possible to come from here and and do this. And um, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to, whether I'm going to make it or not, I'm going to try. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, of
1: course. And then you couple that with a good environment that you can do that in and and great things can happen. Uh, Now, you had a third, if I may say, variable in it, which you already alluded to. You were playing a lot of team sports um what what did you play what did you get involved with
0: i played i played ice hockey i played hockey growing up in canada and lacrosse so lacrosse hockey and skiing were my three sports um i probably started playing hockey uh oh, team organized hockey five or six um but i've got memories i've got a, a guy ended up working for a hockey school jokes with me that the first time i showed up to his hockey school i still had a a soother in my mouth and I was two or three years old trying to skate around and and have a good time um and then I probably started playing lacrosse I was probably eight or nine um and got into that through I mean through people from skiing actually through the Dobles. um mm-hmm. remember then so Brett was a couple of years old, a couple of years older than me and played lacrosse and so I went and tried it and um you know I played hockey and lacrosse both um through high school, and for another couple years after, I kept playing hockey, I played junior hockey, um, and so it was always a balance, and there was times in the year, like spring, where hockey and lacrosse season used to overlap a little bit, um, but then early spring, skiing got in there, and there'd be days I'd go from, on a Saturday, I'd wake up early, I'd go ski, you have to go to a hockey tournament, play a couple games, and you might have a lacrosse game that Evening, and then would try and go get another set or two in at night. Um, so it kept me busy, kept me busy, kept me out of trouble. And, uh, yeah, those memories of playing, playing hockey and lacrosse and the, uh, that team atmosphere, um, being part of a team, um, those, those last a lifetime. Um, you know, I made some, made some choices of when I got older of what, uh, kind of had to focus on a little bit more. Um, and I don't 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 regret them kind of always wonder what if what if I chose this or what if I chose that but um getting to play hockey and a few years of junior hockey and um elite lacrosse at a couple levels and and uh and still got the ski. so I managed to to manage it and keep it balanced and was able to do all three of them for a while
1: yeah that's that's impressive like we already Speak about the challenges of maintaining two <laughs> imagine three that's that's unbelievable um i mean what a what if I may say like what what was it about hockey and maybe differently about lacrosse that kept that that inspired you that like kept you in the sport like were there certain aspects of those two sports that you that you loved and that kept you in for so
0: long I think. Um, hockey I think it was maybe my first love Um, growing up and you know that same cottage in the in the winter we had a shoveled a skating rink and a big rink out back and and same thing in the city we lived on a little pond and I would uh, before school go out play for a couple hours and go to school in the winter and come back and do the same before I had real hockey practice Um, I think growing up you know, and my dad and, and the people around me played. And, um, it was definitely what I wanted to, to do for a while. Um, and you just get into it where it's hard to quit. And, you know, every, as I got older, um, through my teenage years, every year, uh, Hey, do you, with conversation with parents, do you want to do it again? You want to play it? You want to push yourself? You want to play at that level? Like, what do you want to do? And so it always got left to be my choice as I got older. um, which I'm thankful for. Um, and and yeah, that that love, that first love of that hockey is a, uh, I mean it's a Canadian pastime and it's the team stuff, but it's if I get to go home in the winter, we head out to a an outdoor public rink and can get a few buddies to go just play and hang out and, and do that kind of thing. the same the same thing with club skiing, right of hang out at the lake all day. And ski a little bit and be around people who have a a shared interest um yeah lacrosse lacrosse I found a little bit later than hockey um and I think we some really positive coaches in that sport from an early age who as it hmm, we had a lot of team success early on and and throughout but it's a testament to the positive coaches we had and Um, skill development and everything else like that that went with it that and we had the same team year after year so it was a group of guys that we maybe changed two or three out but out of 15 or 20 you know 12 were the same year for for almost 10 years Um, so you don't you're going to go back year after year and and play with those guys again and um, enjoyed every minute of it.
1: Interesting yeah it's interesting how your experience of hockey kind of paralleled in a way the water skiing um, whereas really lacrosse was like the the group you know the group and uh, positive coaching experiences which I know will speak at at some point in this conversation Um, I was also interested just maybe specifically about hockey or lacrosse like did you enjoy the physicality because they're both very physical sports Um, or the technique the I don't know Anything um, more specific that comes to mind?
0: I, I think yeah. I mean, definitely the both physical sports and growing up playing box lacrosse, um, even even more so than the field game. Lots of American listeners understand, but definitely physical and definitely had my my moments of and altercations in in both sports. Um, and I think it's the way that they're both sports where fundamentals. Um, technique and with good skill come to play but a teamwork atmosphere where it takes five guys or 10 guys depending on on which game we're playing to all do that together um and you can have the the best the most skilled player but it it's not enough um and so how you manage that and how you you learn to take on different roles um whether whether you're a scorer or a defenseman, what your what your role is, and we learn that when we get older, um, but from a young age, yeah, physical, the speed, um, that way at which the games are played.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, as you know, I am no hockey expert by any means, but it's always struck me about how it combines a lot of the most. Like, among the things that you look in certain sports, it seems to me like hockey has it all. Like, it's technical, it's physical, extremely tactical. Um, You know, it's team sports, it's on ice. You know, there's a lot of components that make it a super complex sport. Um, So, no, but I can see, obviously, the team aspect and something that you brought with you into your water skiing, um, as, as we'll get to it. Uh, speaking of which, and I'm obviously alluding to collegiate water skiing, how did that come about?
0: Like, what was your experience? What brought you to consider it? Um, I think, you know, somewhere through the last couple of years of high school, it was becoming choice time of what I wanted to do after high school. Mm -hmm. Um, did I want to choose what's, and you know, and that was choice time. What sport did I want to go in on? Um, and do something with after high school knowing university or college at some level from some sport which one was it going to be um so even right through grade 12 I was still playing playing lacrosse playing hockey knew the hockey probably wasn't gonna get a scholarship I'd kind of made that choice already and was playing um like tier two junior so not the top level anymore um and so it was was skiing or or lacrosse that I was going to try to go to university for, um, and I actually didn't go to school right after high school, um, so I I took two and a half years off, played another year of lacrosse, had some opportunities there, um, then I actually spent uh, a fall in Florida um, living with Thomas Moore, and so my my plan was to actually apply and go to UCF and. And hang out more and live with him and um kind of didn't really didn't really work and didn't end up there and looked at Florida Southern um and they had just started lacrosse team as well so had some some stuff there and met with Roger at the time a lot and spent a lot of time with him um but I had known people that had gone to to ULL and so the biggest conversation was probably with Brad Ronaldson um one summer out in out in Edmonton hey come on you gotta come you gotta come um, but I'd known you know okay, Sabrina right. Doe Brett had gone there Brad um, Peculiar used to come to Winnipeg and coach me in the summers um, you know so lots of people and ultimately you know after a couple years um, where to go my sister had finished high school uh, Jared Bull so we kind of chose to go together um, Yeah. so the three of us started together and Uh, It was it was amazing. Yeah, well,
1: lots of history was built there, Um, and I think it's proper to give a bit of context. Uh, I think we might have alluded to some of it in my interview with Ryan and and Spav, but we were going, we were just fairly fresh of a national title, but with little to no guidance. And then guidance came, but it was more of like, "Hey, I'm here to help, but I don't know anything about this." Um, why don't you talk a little bit about your first year, first two years at UL? What was going on?
0: Um, you know, I think looking back, I think um, a few of us came in not not really knowing. Um, you know, like I visited the school um, on my way home after skiing in Florida for a while I'd already signed everything I was going and it made a detour to stop and I had to sign some extra paperwork that was getting lost in faxes or mail so I just drove Taryn and I drove to the school signed it and and that was our visit like it was a done deal um so was it already on the the red van no that was before the red van
1: that was before the red
0: van before the red van so um yeah we drove and it was I mean I mean when we got there the day or two we spent it was early December end of November and it wasn't wasn't that great but um, met everyone or met a lot of people and I think when we finally started that first first year I started in January so I didn't have a nationals my first semester had a spring um, little less serious little less what's coming um, and I think there had been a lot of transition before I got there that you could that I could tell and so I think a couple of us came in um, not knowing how things had been done with with ideas and sometimes vocal, sometimes not sometimes in the in a good way, sometimes in the bad way um, of just to try to understand and learn and um, know what to do to to help and to how to make this better. and um, I think so, sometimes a lot of us took it. Justified it and looked at it selfishly, but could justify it from a team atmosphere. Hey, we need this. This this isn't good. This is bad. We need this. This is going to help. Well, yeah, it'll help us. But in the back of our minds trying to make it in a way that it'll help the team. Um, so there was lots of ups and downs, and I think um, a big group had left from that national title, where we're still hanging around. And I think it's a tough transition, right? You were there. Brad was there. Steena was there. Of we're not on the team, so we're going to help guide, but it's not our team anymore. So how do we balance that of I can't or we can't make you do this. We can't make you do that. We think you should do this, but you guys have to come together and do it yourselves. We're here to help, but someone take charge and um, and run this thing the same way we did it. Um, and so, you know, that was the first semester Then you know, I got to go home right away. So I lived in in dorms for a semester, which was amazing. And I think different than a lot of skiers had done previously. And I met a lot of people on campus, um, whether it was from the dorms or in my major and and made a lot of connections that way. Um, Got to go home for the summer, you know, um, and come back for our first first fall where you really see what collegiate skiing is about. Um, And I think that was a different experience as well, having started in in January in a spring semester and if I could do it again I'd do it the same way I got to get broken into college haven't been out of school for a while and learn everything and do everything and um, come back and now it's not oh and here's college skiing like everything at once so I think it helped help blend that I was also super fortunate to to go the same time as my sister and Jarrett. Um, so I had had close people I knew for years around me Um, and quickly made, you know, the team is amazing and whether there's, um, you know, it's, it's really neat of how international it is. So everyone's away from home. There is no all pop home for the weekend. It's everyone's there and there to support and help each other. And, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was, it was an interesting first year and I, and I had a chance to observe it, as you said not not necessarily from a distance, but also with the understanding that it couldn't have been led from the like the top down. It needed to be a bottom bottom up approach with someone helping with the logistics, and that's where Ryan was in place. Um, and I remember very clearly. You remember it as well. That evening, where basically your role as that person connect, connecting the top and the bottom um came into place at a at a restaurant me you and ryan uh that was was a very special moment especially as mr d who was the founder of the of the team sort of casually dropped by not even connecting to us just for dinner
0: yeah (laughs) it was was good evening yeah and that was that was after i'd skied that fall already right and that was the end of that uh my first full year there um yeah I think uh, I think we all met at Ryan's office and drove to Don Seafood together. And it was, yep. you know, and I know that conversation came up um, in, in Ryan and Harry's interview. of You know, that's where Ryan went and met with, with, with Mr. D and, and same thing. So it's, it's a little tradition. And uh, yeah, I remember that, that evening when you guys approached me and um, I guess the rest is history. Yeah. And what
1: a history. What a history, because I think your time there, and I'm not just saying it was only you, it's a team effort and whatnot, but like it just so happened that it coincided with your years at UL that made that team reach a new level, whether it's performance, organization, new boats every year. Like, I don't have to tell you that you guys managed to find a deal to have a boat every year, whereas I did my whole career on one boat, you know? So it was it, a lot of things changed during your time there. Obviously a lot of it, thanks to you and Ryan, but also I, th- I would say to a team that en- ended up getting together
0: and moving together. Right? Uh, absolutely. You know, that boat, the first year I was there, um, you know, the lift and the boat and we were having issues with that boat. And so people were mad, like, and, and rightfully so, I guess, looking back. But And when you're in the moment, you definitely want to be be mad. Oh, it's not pulling the way it should. This, that, I came here to do this. Um, and I think it's part of us, you know, you bring in elite athletes, right? There is no no one there who isn't trying to get to the next level and push themselves and are all there for the same reason, and that is to get better. And at that point, when you've all been skiing at, at ski schools or or clubs where you've got everything set the right way, you're that's what you expect, and that's what you expect of, of it. And so, yeah, looking back, were there some heated conversations that probably weren't right that went on? Yes, but I think it also, um, allowed us to as a team to take those next steps. Um, you know, after that conversation and that dinner at at Dawn's, um. The first, the next thing I did when before I told you and Ryan, yes, I said, yeah, I'll say yes. As long as the rest of the team's okay with it. Right. Yeah, we went, we met in Ryan's office and I said, Hey guys, I've been asked to do this. Here's what you can expect of me and laid some things out. I'll never ask um, something of you. I won't do myself. If I ask you to do some work, I'll do twice as much. Um, that's how I plan to lead. I'm going to walk outside. Take 10, 15 minutes, however long you need. If you guys don't have to tell me who said what, I'll come back in. If you guys agree and are okay with it, I'm in. And if not, no hard feelings. I'm not going anywhere, and I'm just as happy to be a part of the team. Um, which was, I mean, I was sitting outside. I didn't know what was going to get said. Um, but I think those hard conversations and the, the fights made way for us to have real conversations and... Stop looking at problems and start looking for solutions.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is a which is a tough thing to do if you are involved, as you said, right? Like one thing is if you're detached, or in some way, right? Like uh, you are observing and you assess the issue from far or from top, and you go, okay, yes, there needs to be a new ramp or whatever. Well, one thing is you're trying to do that and you're in it right so it becomes really hard to discern what's necessary from what's you know sufficient and what's needed and I think I think that that transition period is what allowed you guys to bring really the the raging Cajun team to to the next level um, now more personally to you you are now in a Team environment of a sport that, despite you you grew up in in a club atmosphere, it is an individual sport. What did was was it an easy transition? Was it a fun transition? How was it for you?
0: It was for the most part fun, um, and I don't think I understood how challenging it was until years later. Um, that whole being in it thing like head down do the work this is happening I don't know whether it's easier or hard or whatever at the time you just know you got to do it um but an absolute blast and I think you know from that first year you know we started to make a, a culture shift to get back to really being team first um whereas it had been a little bit um what's What's best for me makes me better, which then is going to make the team better, right? And it's yeah. how do you balance that? Because it's not, it's not wrong, but it's a balance of both. And so, um, when does you doing what you need to do to to improve and and do this help the team? And when is it I'll sacrifice something because it's not going to hurt me as much, but this is going to help the team more. Um, and. Yeah. So I think it was, it was different. And to know maybe for me coming from a couple different team sport backgrounds, I had, I'd been through the ups and downs of, of working with people at an elite level of, of sport. Um, and so I'd been through a lot of it. Like there was nothing, nothing new as far as those conversations or those fights we'd have in team meetings or whatever that I hadn't seen 10 times worse in a hockey dressing room or in a hockey practice where gloves get dropped because something's going on. And I had come from where we'd, it would happen and then we all go out that evening together and it'd be good. We'd, we'd have settled it and whatever. And I think, um, I brought some of that with me and I was unaware for a while of how, how other people actually deal with that stuff who don't have those same, um, experiences uh which took a little while to to tone down and and do when needed only. Um right. but but yeah team skiing was was an absolute blast. Um that was you know it was a great four years and I grew so much from it as as a person, as a coach, as an athlete. Um that yeah, incredible. Gimme give gimme give you know, a
1: handful of uh, moments, memories from your from your collegiate skiing days. It could, I'm assuming they're going to involve nationals, but not necessarily. Just some moments that that stuck with you. Maybe since you laid out a few categories, uh, maybe as a as a coach, maybe as a skier, maybe as a person.
0: Um, I think going through those. Um, hmm. Huh. That's tough because I think they all kind of came together. Um, But starting in nationals, the year, I mean, 2015, the year we won. Um, And, you know, I went out, we were ahead. We had won all five events going into men's jump. And we pretty much needed four jump scores, like four landed jumps and it was done. Um, And that, you know, I went out fourth and that jump set, I know we were jumping 51, but I felt like the boat was going up and down the lake at about a hundred kilometers an hour. Like that jump set (laughs) was over before I knew it, like three jumps done. All right. It's, it's done. Um, and that, that team win. And I remember, um, skiing in and the first person I actually saw was Scott Greenwood, give me a big hug. Um, but then having, you know, the team, everyone there, Chris went out, won men's jump, and then we won team is, uh, men's jump event, which is, I mean, it was it was amazing. Um, but that Nationals, I don't even know if it's the win that's special. Like, it's, okay, we had Benny and Dane jump and trick, and I got pictures of Benny on site at 6.30 in the morning going through his trick run before he's got to go and do it. And the amount of oh, effort those guys would have, I'll, I'll have to find them. Because it's, it's things like that that you go, it was a huge culture shift from that first year of Benny would go to Lake or Dane would and they wouldn't slow him that day and they go jump trick instead because needed more practice and help on it and it was going to be more for the team. Um, and having Marianne Tyler there was, was super special. Um, that's one. I think another one would be the year before at Bennett's. I saw the team really start to change and come together. Um, I think holding Florida ski back at airport Lake for the first time is what really, really was the first moment that everyone saw what we were doing and that it was working and that together we'd accomplished so much already just by hosting a tournament back on our Lake and not, having it hosted somewhere else. Um, I mean, those are, those are three, Um, you know, then there's a lot of, a lot of fun ones. Um, You know, the boys, depending on where nationals were, we'd all get hats from whatever region we'll say we were Um, and and stuff like that and, and all that stuff. And I think, um, but yeah, hosting a tournament again, then that first year, that second year of mine at Bennett's um, was kind of the progress of it. And and then 2015, um, it was just kind of you saw it all start from from Nationals through the tournament through through the next Nationals of people coming together. And that another story, that 2015 Nationals, we had something happen with – we'd gotten to a point with a team where if someone did something that wasn't what they were supposed to do, whether – I mean, not, I'm not talking – on the water, I'm talking off of it, of, hey, guys, we don't have that many team rules, but, like, for a reason, so you can't break them, but there are a couple. And we had gotten to a point where I wasn't the one even enforcing them. Like, other people in the team were holding each other accountable. And I think when I started, that was the whole mission. Like, I'll try and do more work and do everything and be an example, but I don't want to be the law and hold each other accountable. And we saw that and we saw the results from it. Um, so yeah, the work that went into that nationalism, we spent time on site beforehand and um, a lot of time together that semester of taking trips and loading up for long weekends to go somewhere to train for a few days on, on a different site and, and things like that. Yeah,
1: no, I, I can see that in it. And certainly even, even if you were willing to be the enforcer of the law, it's not, as, it's not as successful of a culture as the skiers feeling, you know, that they need to keep each other accountable. Just because it's, it's a lot of skiers, a lot of events throughout the day, you can't be everywhere and you have other things to do on top of being there for the skiers. Um, something that other skiers might not have to do but needs to be done in order to even just be able to compete have you signed that form is the van here you know like is the dog does she know when she has the trick like there's so many things that, that you have to have on your radar that you know like if the team truly feels that this is a joint effort it lends to better results um, and I can certainly resonate with the the one you know national championships that, that we want as well Um, was it hard to leave Lafayette?
0: Um, No, and it was a great four years, but no. I knew kind of what I wanted to do and where I was going to go and um, kind of partway through university um, kind of with with real plans kind of made. And so I think the hard part was I don't have that. I mean, I know people that are still there, but I kind of the only way I could was kind of not completely cut ties, but I had to turn it over. Like that's, that's not my ship anymore. Um, I'm not on at Rowan. So you guys got this and, and go with it Um, to, to kind of make a clean break and not have an overshadowing any kind of presence of, well, this is how cold it or how this is how I would still do it. Or this is what I think you guys should do. Like, the culture had changed so much and was a strong healthy culture that we still we see it today still and yeah. that we had to had to trust that the culture actually had changed and that was you know those first meetings what i we had spoken about was was culture and so when i saw the culture change i kind of not cut ties but got on to the next chapter of of my life and get to still talk to a lot of those the, the people there and um, offer help when when they ask for it but only when they ask I'm not gonna butt in and say do this do that they got this and uh, I have to trust that and for me I I was ready and I was you know I was 20 how old was I like I you know graduated high school at 17 um, in two and a half years so I was a little bit older than than a lot of people already Um, and so I was ready for the next chapter of of my life
1: yeah no and I think Two thoughts that come to mind, as you said, that I think in a way you could see why when you got there, uh, some of us were a little bit hands off or trying to be hands off, kind of because we were feeling what you felt at the end of your journey. And at the same time, I think it was possibly easier. Like the culture that you that you guys created and then you saw potentially continuing that wasn't in place when we left, just because it had to be all, you know, it was it was a different system, solely relying on us, uh, no, no overs- overseeing from the university, um, that we felt like that had we let go, it would have, who knows where it would have gone, but we also needed to let go for ourselves. So I think in a way you, you understand where we were staying um, in those
0: years. Yeah. You know, and looking back, I know people I was around and some of those, those arguments and stuff, we we're like, well, I mean, it's not theirs anymore. And they got to like, come on, let us do it. We can do it. Like, come on, come on, come on. But we weren't ready for it. And it was so, you, you know, it's a, it's a thank you for not, and thank you for dealing with our young, hard headed nonsense. um, Because it, you know, we, we weren't ready for it and the team wasn't ready for it, um, yeah. you know, and, and Ryan's learned so much and understands it now that it was, you know, it was you and Steen and Brad and Ryan trying to run things and keep things going and none of us got any of the work behind the scenes. Yeah. And that kind of got brought forward and, and opened up and divided them around people um, where we got to actually see it and own it, but there was systems in place that it'll work and it it'll be okay, and um, and Ryan's kept those going, and from his knowledge of what skiing is and what we need and and things like that, and there was still time how to through. obtain
1: it because it, it took it, a bit of time for him to also understand how to obtain things.
0: Exactly right, and now when you know when I left, it was uh, hey Ryan, we need this, this, and this. Okay, I'll have it to you by go pick it up from here on Wednesday or hey I've called the the store and it's ordered and here's the invoice number to give them okay thank you like I can do that I can do my part now and um you know and so yeah
1: yeah no but I I think I think in a way for you personally was it was good that you were able to cut ties I know it's a big word but like in a sense like sort of say okay bring closure to that experience in order for you to be able to move on. Uh, and I think, he, again, doing, doing that, knowing that there's a system in place now that is well-oiled and the uh, moving parts are, are moving together, um, made it certainly
0: easier. Um, so what happened afterwards? Um, so, you know, I actually, the day I wrote my last final... Uh, The next morning, I jumped in my, or packed up, got in my car, and I drove to Orlando, Claremont, uh, Florida, Um, and drove back a week later for graduation, and um, back to Florida, and and here since, um, at at Matt Reaney's ski school. I've been um, working um, for him and with him for, I guess it's been coming up on four years since I graduated. Yeah, coming up on four years. Um, and and happy as could be.
1: Another degree, roughly four
0: years. Yeah, yeah. I see. I could have another one by now, but uh, that might be my biggest accomplishment. Surprise to people is it was a four-year degree for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, well, I mean, like that experience there possibly could could have earned you another degree just by what you've learned in the last four years. I mean, Matt is a super experienced coach, and just the the turnaround of athletes of all of all levels must have made you a better coach of water skiing. Um, so what, um, and that's what I really want to talk to you about as well, like coaching, right? I know you take, uh, you know, coaching can mean different things, but um, specifically in terms of helping a skier become better on the water while you're in the boat, talking to them, um, what are some of the things that you've been Let's just say, yeah, let's just say improve that. Because I know that at UL, a lot of skiers trusted you to be in the boat and helping them out. Um, What have you improved on since or maybe some of the things you keyed on to in the last four years?
0: Um, Well, it's funny you say the last four years. The first couple of years and, and still like any chance I can be in the boat with Matt, I do. And that's how I looked at the first two years of however much busy I was in work and, and whatever, actually, that I was getting a degree in water skiing. Like I was yeah. going to learn so much. Um, and I was getting my master's basically. And, um, you know, I think it's the things I've grown on are, are um, hmm. I think having a, having a system and I think it's understanding root causes of, of technique things and what they are and, um, and really taking the time and understanding each athlete. Um, one-on-one, what they're, you know, recognizing things quicker from when they walk out of their car and watching them walk down to the dock or uh, how they put their ski on, all those different things and recognize those things really, really quick. Um, and an- another thing is, is the work ethic of a coach and what it should be to be a professional coach. And that's something I had learned from Matt Oh, when he was still coaching us and coming up to Canada a little bit in the summers and and things like that um, and fourth is probably communication how do how to speak clearly um, which is still you know I'm actually not a great communicator through text email even phone calls and it's it's tough for me um, but have worked at it but yeah I think it's understanding each athlete and, and not what not what they say they are what they want but knowing why they're there, what do they really want to accomplish and how can I help them, them do that. Um, and kind of coaching off, off principle more than, than theory or, or anything else like that.
1: What do you mean? That's an interesting coaching by principle as opposed to theory. So develop on that
0: on, I guess on a technique standpoint, right? Like we like to talk, people like to talk about theory, the theory of this, the theory of that. But, um, maybe maybe law is a better word or principle of what if this happens what is the result and we we know a lot of those things and so instead of hey in theory if you do this then this might happen and we can we can move this way and that way but what are the the handful of maybe basic water ski f- fundamentals or principles or laws that if you do this this will happen if you don't do this this will happen um and not getting so lost and and it's a balance I think of you know the idea of kind of question everything and always be open and and evolving and always learning but having sound principles that everything we do is based on that mm-hmm. this is there you can't question this if you do this this will this is the result and you can look off look on any top skier or any of this, that this is something that is there.
1: Yeah, I seems. ah, wow. It, it, it sounds a lot like what Jay told me last year in, in his interview on coaching, uh, that you have to, like a theory is constantly evolving and you have to have one in order to be able to coach. Uh, but knowing that eventually it needs to be adapted, you know, like you have a tall skinny skier who's twitchy and, a as shorter skier who's strong but not as reflexes like and how do you maintain those fundamentals with these two completely different athletes in front of you i think that becomes part of the the craftsmanship of coaching
0: right exactly right and whether it's it's tall and short or or whatever it is or athletic awareness or ability and and different things of balance and all those kinds of things and Every person is different, and everyone's going to ski slightly different. And how do we, you know not take take them and shove them in a box? And this is the only way to do things. But okay, there's three or five things that we know you have to accomplish. and how do we work within those principles or those laws or those those facts and fit everything else and adapt for you? to still accomplish those things
1: yeah yeah that's uh, the for you bit is you know um is the key in my opinion yeah yeah okay sorry i thought i lost you um yeah and what are this is a tough question but i i i want to throw it at you because i think you can take it uh what are some of the things that you think you're doing very well as a coach
0: um, I think, you know, and so I get a lot of different athletes and situations, right? We've got people come ski for, for a day and take two sets and, and leave. And then, you know, I've got athletes that I see, whether I see them every day or I talk to them every couple of days, days and, and have an ongoing thing. Um, I th- honestly, I don't know if it sounds corny or what. But with all those athletes that I work with regularly, I think they all know how much I care Mm -hmm. Um, and that I'm there to help. Um, I will tell them what what they need to hear, sometimes not what they want to, Um, but know that I'm in it with them. I'm not, they're not alone. I can't do it for them. Um, but they don't have to do it by themselves. Um, and so I think, you know, posted something the other day, is if knowing who, I don't know if who's the right word, but knowing who I am and what they're going to get every single day, whether they ski good, bad, they're on, they're off, they've got high energy or low energy, it's tournament day or we're months away from a tournament, they know what they're going to get and what they can expect in me, which allows them to be safe and feel safe and not worry, oh, if I ski bad today, or if I make a little mistake, Cole's going to shout at me today, or is is he in a good mood or a bad mood today? Is he going to be nice or mean or or what? I think it's that that being consistent of this is who I am and how, how everything's going to go. Are some days going to be tougher? Yeah, but I care. And I'm going to be consistent day in and day out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great, I mean, obviously the importance of the coach athlete relationship can be overstressed, right? I mean, that's, it's just like such a crucial component of all those things that together bring good performance. Um, but certainly in skiing, which is a sport with a lot of variables, a lot of variables, like sometimes even the, the well-experienced, such as the two of us find out new variables or start really stressing onto some that we weren't even considering before. Uh, so having that consistency with the coach removes that variable, removes that sort of like, oh, what's going to happen there, right? Um, it allows to to simplify just even a little bit uh, a complex sport like water skiing.
0: Yeah absolutely
1: yeah so okay so we said well what you think you work well and i'm gonna ask you the opposite now what are the things you you feel like you're you're still needing to improve and obviously you can say everything but like the one that you're working on
0: in your coaching um i think who to give you a couple i um I think making, you know, that same thing, I think what I do well is a consistency, but I think having, continue working on that consistency and knowing, okay, um, am I always present? They know what they're going to get me, but am I present every little thing? And something I've been thinking on and working on is is listening. Like, do I really listen? I think one of the biggest things in a good coach, and I was reading a book is, you know, attributes is good listener. And yeah. I can hear you, and not just hear you and respond. But here's what you said. Okay, is this what you meant, or is this over here what you actually meant by saying it? And what feedback do you need need from it? Um, and I think I've I've let go of um, needing not power. Like power is the wrong word, but always knowing that it is not. It's not a boss. And employee relationship like that is not what it is or can be at all and there's going to be people who you know I'm still young and I'm not that well established who maybe question what I say or don't want to ski with me or or do different things and that used to bother me a little bit and I've been able to let that go which I think is has made me better with all the people who do ski with me Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I can see that I can see that. And I think the challenge which oftentimes some other stakeholders might struggle to grasp is that coaching is, in a way, a performance as well. Like, say, for you to be able to stay consistent, if you deem that as as an important thing uh, with your athletes, you have to be able to do it. It's a skill. I mean, you have a life, you have relationships, you show up to the to the lake one day and you get in the boat and you may have thoughts of like what I don't want to be here today but you, if you want to be consistent you have to find a way to do it anyway uh, in as much as the skier who doesn't feel particularly on top of their game on that day still has to run 39 or jump whatever to make it to the next step um, no I, I think it's I think the, the difficulty of coaching properly is oftentimes like over overlooked um not by coaches uh, by by others <laughs>
0: but yeah you know? and i think you know and, and you said that and it is absolutely a skill to be consistent and whether we're at a, at the worlds and we're on, on a starting dock or depending what it is and to look so calm or be in the boat pinning and I'm like, oh you look calm in the boat. Oh good. That's what I'm trying to work on and that's what I'm trying to right. show. But there's all those things going through. But you can't show them and you've got to be be steady. And you know, I had I mean a few weeks ago I had a couple people, a couple I mean they're 20 however athletes skiing with me and one told me I was an optimist another one told me I was I was too real and almost and a realist. And it's just perspective of where they're coming from of no, this is how I am, but you're just over on this side more and you're over on this side more. I'm right down the middle. You just look at me from a different perspective and that that and that's how I took that of like, yep, I'm consistent right down there and work on being calm and um steady, I think is is my word yeah, for it. Yeah, steady
1: is a beautiful word in this regard. Yeah, steady is a uh, is appropriate. Yeah. Um what are So we talked about some of your experiences in a UL as a coach, if you wouldn't mind sharing a couple of more, maybe say recent coaching experiences,
0: say maybe that you're proud of. Um, see, So this is, I think, someone somewhat difficult to answer, right? I think it's tricky where the most, I guess, obvious ones that come to mind are when athletes ski well. Right. And you go, yeah, look at it. they they accomplished their goals and, and you're proud of that, but that's their hard work. And to and so it's a balance of, yeah, did I help? Yeah, you know what I did, but that's that's theirs. And you can't take saying you'd helped them or you did it or that's yours is just doesn't sit right or feel right to me. Um, but I think you know, I've had some some around me grow a lot lately. And, uh, I had one, how about this for one, one the other day, someone was at a tournament and skiing and we'd, you know, talking and they went away to a tournament and they texted me after how they skied, and then told me what they did and they, what they decided to do and went, I made a decision for myself. Like I did it. I didn't have to get too many opinions in this and that and knew what to do. I just, I decided and I did it and I skied really well. And I think that's kind of something that stuck with me from one of my classes, one of my professors from the personal training um, at, at UL was, you know, the best personal trainers create, whether you want to call it a culture or a routine, that eventually their client, maybe it's losing weight, maybe it's getting stronger, whatever it is, no longer needs them because they've set them and helped them grow and build them up to the point that they're capable on their own. And that's something I I kind of stick with me. Not that athletes are going to leave or or anything, but that when they go away to a tournament by themselves, are they going to be okay? And I need that answer to be yes. If I can't be there or if someone's not there with them, um. So hearing that was was one. Um. That's yeah. a huge one.
1: That's a huge one. You know, like um. I mean, in, in my profession, is the same, you know, like in, in the helping relations, like say, whether it's clinical psychology, sports psychology, whatever branch, you do want to create um, independence in the client to where they are autonomous after they've done the work with you. And I think in coaching is slightly different, as you said, like they don't have to leave, but they are also an independent agent. And it seems to me that your, your approach, especially as you said, as of recent, to really actively listen to your athlete, where you're giving them reps to reason on their own skin, right? Um, and in, in, by giving them reps, you are by, you're you're making them more independent in how they think about their skin and, of course, making decisions. Uh, rather than as soon as they're not even sank in the water and you're already standing up Telling them uh, the teachings, right? Like it, it's the classic. What do you think? And then wait and wait and wait and wait and listen and listen and listen. And then, of course, you, you're going to give the coaching. Um, but I think a lot of it, and I would, I would also argue, the better the athlete or the more experienced the athlete, the more the what do you think is crucial, right? Like you, you have to. Part of good coaching is just listening to what they're bringing up
0: yeah absolutely you know and it's you know we like to use it being coached or taught or all these <clears> different words for it and a word that i had pop up recently was facilitator right helping yep. them facilitate their own learning their own improvement um and and that's exactly it what do you think okay this happened okay what have we taught you what do you know that if this happens this was probably why it happened okay so and then they ask the question okay we're Did I do that? Oh, yeah, you're right. I think I did. I felt a little bit of this. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's fix that. Let's focus on that area because that's going to solve what you felt as a problem. We've backtracked and and have the real solution, the real root cause, and um, having them be able to work through a little bit of their own because they actually understand um, what and why they're trying to do something, not just the outcome that they're getting and... um, to start to be able to coach themselves, if they're on their own a little bit, and to to make those those fixes. Or they run a pass, and you know it's it's in a tournament, and you're standing in the dock with them. And they run their first pass, and it's it's not great. Okay, do they have the right the right self talk, and can they refocus on? Oh, this was a little off. Okay, I'll do the, a better job of this. Can they do that between passes and and know what and why and not go? Uh oh, this is gonna be a bad set because this felt a little off. I don't know what to do. Like that's not that's not gonna be productive and, and helpful in the long run. Um and, and yeah, that that knowing when and how to give feedback and, and and what's required and sometimes less is more. Sometimes they need to have a little a little break or or a longer talk. Um and sometimes it's being confident with, with newer athletes or newer skiers that to not allow them to skip steps. Uh, yep. they want to, whether they're brand new open book here, I'm coming to you. Let's start writing this book and okay, here's the basics. Do this. Okay. Well, after the next pass, let's move on to something new because you think they want to learn something new and it's like the confidence to go, nope, we need to work on this more before we move on. We're doing this again, whether it's another pass, another set, another day, um, to build a foundation and not give in to a wanting to give them more information to keep them happy. Like they're learning more. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. That I makes think sense. it's a,
1: it's such an easy mistake to make. Right. Uh, because on one hand you can easily see how they're right. They, they, they they want the information. That's why they came to you. And yet they're not able to assimilate all the information yet just because they're not as experienced. Right. Um, I mean, if I'm coaching someone who runs 39, I could speak either a whole lot or not as much, but with the, with the inexperienced athlete, I have to be very selective with the words or with what I want to focus on and then just drill, 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 because they just don't have the reps and they will go, oh yeah, but I'm also like, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And this is bad. And you're like, well, it's good that you noticed, know but we stick to A. We stick to A.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And not, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's give you something new so you, maybe you come back again because, oh, I'm not sure you're happy there. Well, stick to it. This is the right process. This is the right um, the right principle to work on for now. And we'll, when you're ready, we're going to move on to those. You're not wrong, but they come from we need to do this well first. Um, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more on that. And it's it's tough when I think you're you're starting out or in different things um, just because you, you know, if you're in sales. Right. The clients always write that kind of idea and it's it's not sales. And yeah, they they might be right that those things do exist. But to become a better, you know, we're speaking water skier. This is the process. These are the things and the foundation of the pyramid. You got to do this first and you got to do a little bit better before we move on to the next step.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and it's tough talk, but oftentimes it's, well, one, the talk they need to listen, and two, the talk that you have to find the courage to say (laughs) and to make, you know. Yeah. Um, Look, Cole, obviously you've had, and and I want to ask you this very, very frankly, because I don't think I know very well, but I know you've had involvement with uh, the Canadian national team. Uh, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about what your role is there and and your experiences.
0: Um, so I serve as one of the national team coaches, so we've got a a staff um, that includes you know Busher and Matt and drew and Jarrett and myself. and so we've got got a staff that that we do it. I do a lot of the stuff with the juniors and the junior events um, sometimes. Busher and I, a couple lately. It's just been me going into some of the smaller ones, um, and so you know, I look as my role when we're at big major events, you know, like a World. My job is one, make sure the athletes have everything they need, and two, to make Bush's job easier, um, mm-hmm. and and to work together. And so we don't have, you know, we've got the Worlds in Malaysia. We had a huge team, seven, 17 skiers. I might be wrong. I could be wrong. 12. I don't know. There was a lot. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of, and I think some of that stuff we talked about at you, all of the, this is better for me in this culture and that culture. I was fortunate enough to learn from team sports, but as well from, from Bur- Busher early on, um, you know, talk about a, a mentor a, to soak information up from when it comes to, to major events and planning and, and how to do everything. And so how do we balance, we've got everyone here and our job is to give them the resources as best we can to ski is to their potential. Um, so whether that means, you know, sitting at the world and you're not actually watching that much skiing because there's a practice like over here that someone that you've got to take a few people to watch them, whether you're coaching them a little bit, or whether they've got someone else there with them that you're you know, you're you're the third person in the boat, or you're running the clock to make sure we get to the next person on time because they know how much time they've got, or you're running people back and forth to the hotel so they don't have to sit out in the heat all day. Um, all those things just are what you know. It, it's not this glamorous. Oh, I sit at a uh, lake and do things. No, it's he missed half the event, but that's what it, it's required to. To help our athletes perform to their potential.
1: Yeah, and was Malaysia your first Open Worlds in that role?
0: Um, as my second, so I did Paris and Malaysia. Um, hmm. And took a little bit more in Malaysia, um, because Paris was my first Open Worlds. Yeah,
1: what? Um, what was your 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 emotional state like? Proud, nervous,
0: excited. I think a little bit of everything I think Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's one thing for us who are as a coach you're sitting there conditions aside just at a at a world of okay what did uh, what can I do did I do everything I was supposed to Um, when they ski well it's like a sigh of relief like okay did my job they did theirs perfect Uh, if someone doesn't ski well Okay, did I did I do something? Did I oh what should I have done? Should I have said something? Should I not have said something? All these different things, especially when it's a big team that you're not as familiar with everyone. Yeah. Um, what what do they need? They all have different individual needs. Um, and how to meet them all being so different. Right. Right.
1: Was that something that You obviously talked to Busher as a big mentor. What, maybe any nuggets that you want to share? Something that Bush Busher told you that like kind of opened your eyes, maybe early on.
0: Oh, um, I think, one, I always back in to my driveway into parking spots from from him. (laughs) He backs in everywhere from being a firefighter, and you know we always he says, you know, don't don't run walk towards a fire don't run we know there's a problem but running there and panicking isn't going to do is only going to make things worse um and i think just the way he carries himself and i think you know i met the first time i kind of remember meeting busher i must have been eight as a young kid and i think it's those feelings of i had no idea who he was um my parents told me after oh that's that's steve bush he's a national team coach like you know, I'm a shy kid. I don't don't say much. But how he carries himself, speaks to everyone, whether it's officials, other team captains. Like, I don't know if you can find someone who's got a bad word to say about him or who wouldn't help him because of everything he's gone above and beyond to help them with at some point. Yeah. And not taking those things for granted and, and doing those things. Um, and just how calm his demeanor is. Like, he... And that's something I try to emulate and work really, really hard on to try to emulate as best as I can. And I'm nowhere near close, but that um, takes yeah. experience, right? Yeah. I think it, even though
1: it's more in terms of like very applied coaching, what we spoke about before, or you know, more of like managerial slash coaching role, it seems like that steadiness remains key in both in both roles. Right. The ability to be the same, consistent um, and open, you know, like, uh, you know, so be steadily in a good way, but steady. Right. Uh, Not letting emotions and and other thoughts overcome you and and get you away from it. Um, Wow. Cool. So what's in the near future for you? What's uh, any any plans ahead? Obviously, COVID, uh, you know but
0: yeah Yeah, i i don't know it kind of put a change on the whole summer and how everything goes this this spring and summer and um who knows what the fall holds next year is going to be busy um if everything kind of runs its course and is okay with with so many worlds next year um so yeah we'll be getting ready for for all of those but um yeah ski school um been trying to connect with more and more athletes that haven't been able to make it here that I I work with virtually somehow to keep it personal and um, help them along and make sure they're, they're on the right path still. Um, And, and not much else, I don't think. Um, I think kind of keep going.
1: Yeah. Well, Cole, as you, as you know, both from being a good friend and, and probably as by, by knowing me, I care a lot about the growth of the sport and, Part of it is having committed coaches who really take their craftsmanship seriously. And I commend you for you, for your doing that. Uh, You've been doing that for a long time, despite your young, um, because more people like you would certainly help the sport to grow. So thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, Did we miss anything? Like we said everything we needed to?
0: I think so. I think, uh, yeah. I don't know if I've got much else to share. I think, think that covers a lot of it.
1: Okay. Well, I, I'm sure that in a second chat that we we might have in the near future, more more things would arise. But uh, in the meantime, thanks again for doing this.
0: Uh, I know my listeners would really enjoy. it. Absolutely. Thank you, Matteo. Keep it up. Love listening. Um, it's been been a blast. Thanks, buddy. I'm <laughs>